Hi, and welcome to the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. This is episode 70. In this episode, we talk about Chris editing email headers and breaking all of Gmail, and we pose a simple question, how far is too far? But we talk about MFA and filtering. How far is too far with MFA and how far is too far with filtering? Have a listen. This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs. For K-12 Techs, real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. This is episode, I think, 70, because last last week was the inappropriate episode of episode 69. Um the guys everybody's back the band is back together chris is back he didn't blow us off tonight mark is back um gentlemen how are you have you had any good grilled cheeses lately i think that's where chris was last week he was making a grilled cheese and just decided not to is show that a up. fat joke at me out of the game oh come on that's like pot wow. calling the kettle black come on i get that once a day from my wife already do you really pretty much wow to be that's... real about family stuff going on in this house <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> wow. That's harsh. We're it is, have and it a, hurts. We're going to have to have what? a talk with Stephanie. What did I walk into? Yeah, this is like a <laughs> family therapy session. <clears throat> Gentlemen, what's it, what have you been up to? Chris, have you talked to Jeremy from Something Cool lately? Yeah, I did. He he said how he really liked the episode without me, and that was super annoying. Wow. So mm. you're getting told you're fat, and Jeremy tells you that yeah. you shouldn't be on the podcast. Yes. Huh. It's it's really something. And he sent us uh he does, I guess you I didn't listen to your episode. Um It was the best. But it was. He said you guys talked about battery backups and stuff. We did. So he mentioned that they do the Eaton Intelligent <laughs> Power Manager. Eaton. Eaton. Uh like Eaton uh, grilled cheese. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. Uh, but the Eaton IPM, it's some software. You can monitor and manage all of your uh, power devices in your physical or virtualized network. Um, I quick looked up stuff. It looks like a, I mean, it looks like a Cadillac of uh, software to manage your UPSs and whatever, but it can tap into your VMware stuff. It can help manage you know, oh crap, we don't have power. Which which VMs you want to spin down first? Oh, if we do these three, then you get two more hours out of these two. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah, hmm. some kind of artificial intelligence kind of built into them. It seems um, cool. Do you guys have generators? Because I've got serious generator envy. Because I don't. No, I get the envy too. When we've gone to Midwest Tech Talk and some of those dudes have presented on, like the, they can. I mean, they're going to stay up. Right for quite some time because of that. No, we don't have that. Yeah, Mark, do you we have? have uh, yeah. So our our main data center has uh, pretty massive UPS. Although I'm pretty sure that would only last for an hour or so, even though it's massive. Um, and then there is a generator uh, for the entire building. Oh wow, entire building. So. Yeah, we so we have a long history of power outages for our office. We we went um, I believe a week, the longest. 
Um, wow. And we had to rent a generator and come up with a like on the fly fuse box, well breaker box panel with it. it the only thing on in the in our office was literally the rack of equipment with the servers and switches, an extension cord that ran to my office, an extension cord that ran to uh, one of my guys' office, and a portable air conditioner. We had no lights for mm. a week. It was it was glorious. And doesn't the air feel different when things are off? Well, yeah, because you don't have any air moving. We were relying on this, you know, like I portable. mean, like the data. Like there's no. There's no data flying around. Uh, what you're trying to make a joke, and it is not working. Would you guys explain to me just wh- how does data fly in the air? Explain to me Wi-Fi, tubes, tubes, radio, <laughs> radio frequencies. That's all uh, I know. One of the I, I saw a presentation a little a few months ago from the former CIO of Houston ISD in Texas, and talk about generators. They had quite the disaster recovery process. Uh, well, I, I was going to say after the last hurricane, but I'd say after probably many hurricanes. Yeah. Uh, and and then he was talking about, you know, rolling up a tractor trailer truck generator just to get their data center up and running. So, I mean, there's, there's you know, your generator for day-to-day usage and day-to-day power outages, but then mm-hmm. there's what are you going to do in an emergency? And right. like you said, how do you, how do you go a week without power, which yeah. seems unheard of in these days and times, but not in my district. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what was the cause? Uh, so they were adding on to the building. They were adding on eight classrooms to the building and they had to redo the more or less the main coming into the building. So they had to kill it. They had to cut it rip out a bunch of cables coming into the building from the power company and replace a whole new transformer outside and everything. So mm. like, yeah, it, it was off, but we randomly lose power for hours at a time. It, it's silliness. Um, every, I, I like to say every time my dog pees on a light pole, we lose power. Mm. Um, quickly, let's, you let's, like to say that I do. <laughs> I do like to say that <laughs> it's, it's one of my phrases that I've coined. Um, Let's give a shout out to the K12 Sys admin subreddit because um, Mark, I, I guess you're a um, you frequent that subreddit. And last week we talked about a couple items that were talked about in that subreddit. And one of our listeners, I assume, um, is also a member, and he posted, "Hey, the, these guys were talking about the the K12 Sys admin subreddit, and and we got a ton of hits." So uh, thank you for sharing that on on the subreddit. Um, we California and North Carolina and Texas, you guys uh, really really listened this last week. So we'll see if those listens keep up. Um, if you're in that in that sub and you want us to talk about something, shoot us an email k twelve tech talk at gmail dot com, and we're also on Twitter. So uh, I was yeah. going to say someone in there said, and I felt like it was just you, Josh. No, it wasn't uh, me. They said they like, they always like the grilled cheese. Yes. Gags. No, that yeah. was not, no, that is not even my alt account. No, that, nope, that was not me. Was that not me. was, that was a little over the top. <laughs> like, come on, Josh. That was you. <laughs> no. Yeah. Nope. Not at all. Was not me. But I like in that last story how Mark kind of like humble brags that he knows the Houston ISD CIO. You know, hey, right. we're we're buddies. Whatever. The, Mark's Mark's got some clout there. Uh, hey, I did like not not to bash on uh, Australia as a <laughs> as a whole, <laughs> but but this uh, 
on on Reddit, someone said they tried our pod. Oh yeah, but very U.S. focused. Oh yes, yeah. they found a lot of discussion irrelevant, irre- irrelevant, irre- irreverent irre- too. Irreverent. irreverent. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I saw that. I'm I'm wondering, like, wh- how do you break into the international audience? Like, what what is it about? uh the the podcast the topics that we're talking about that are specific to the u.s i I get it i get state testing right right yep that's exactly what i was going to say maybe some of the regulations that we'd have to deal with ferpa and student data privacy stuff but i i i would like to think that that's kind of global because we know the what european union has their own gdpr that's super strict um so i would assume australia would have something similar but but i don't know um if 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 you're listening and you're an international listener, because Chris, I know that Midwest Tech Talk that we did, um, that was all virtual. We had what six or eight people that were at international schools. We had a gentleman in Africa. We had a guy, um, one or two people oh, yeah, from Australia. Those, I'll click around and find those some German those folks. countries that showed up. It was awesome. Yeah, it was pretty neat. So and it could be why they don't listen is because when that person posted that, there was like close to 10 down votes on that thing yeah and then he the the person edited the post and was like could you just clarify why you're upset with this <laughs> because we have fans the, the down, <laughs> so maybe it's because well, the u.s is a bully well, there, there was a few weeks ago when i believe it was chris was like i don't care about singapore was that <laughs> Well, surely, surely not. We so lost. it's one thing to be focused on American politics and American <laughs> education system, but it's the other to be attacking other yeah, countries that I, try to I listen. Get it. That's I'm not a good. To, I'm not, not a good look, Chris. Globally. Um. Okay. So since we've really talked about nothing now for close to ten minutes, um, Chris, you said you had a you had a project this week with email headers, and you you called me in a panic that thinking that you broke gmail in general so it was kind of a perfect storm why don't you why don't you tell that story yeah i had two really wacky stories this week actually you were asking me before we before we started recording about the week and i was like i it's been a week and i was trying to think think about what i even done but first off uh and i had learned this uh at the security symposium back in march uh i've been wanting to play with this um in gmail we we were discussing how we limit uh, different OUs to what they can and can't do in Gmail, who, you know, who, who they can send to and who they can't send to. Um, I've always with our, our elementaries, basically they can email like my lowest elementary can only, they barely get in the email, but we do have Gmail on for the sake of kind of touching the surface of teaching a kid what email is. Uh, so their rights are very limited to, they can email the teachers at that building and that's it. But as you move up in the elementaries, I have an elementary where we let them email each other and they can email the teachers of that building. And I've always done this manual kind of way of basically the allow list uh, is full of all these email addresses of these kids. And that's like work all the time. Right. Uh, So someone talked about uh, doing a lot of that work with headers in the in the emails uh, or even prepending like a subject line. So I've been dabbling with that this week. Uh, so I would make a change and see how it looked. So at our lowest elementary, because students hardly ever email, I added a subject line uh, that basically identifies that it's a student email. That way the teacher 
it, it sticks out just a little bit more to the teacher, like, oh, this is coming from a student. But I was playing with headers, so I'm going to get into eventually where, uh, you know, I allow do send receive email stuff based upon the headers that are embedded into the email that are that are being used. So I'm doing all that work and it's looking good. Uh, I'm like two, three days in with making small changes. I had touched on our staff uh, email header settings as well. I, I feel good. I feel fine. Uh, I'm doing after an after school program. I do after school robotics. Uh, literally, I had been sitting with my laptop open in my email. I'm emailing people. I had literally just emailed someone. I had literally just checked the message. And then one of our students is trying to send a picture to another one of the sponsors. Uh, and the, the sponsor says that she didn't get it. And okay, that's a middle school kid. She probably sent it wrong. I'm like, hey, send it to me. I don't get it. And then I start looking and emails broken. And I instantly think I did it. Like, well, sure. All the, yeah. my, I'm the one I've literally been touching Gmail and I never touched Gmail. So, but then I'm looking in vault real quick. It, it looks weird in there. I can see that I sent it, uh, but I don't see that it's being denied or anything like that. I'm even, you know, a week or two, whatever it's been, I had added some quarantine stuff with encrypted messages. I thought, shoot, did I like, you know, what, what did I do? So then I contact you, Josh. Yeah. Uh, and I had started emailing my personal account too, and it wasn't looking right. Uh, mm -hmm. But I emailed you to try to email me. You tried to email me and your son. Yeah. Realized you were hosed as well. So then I got excited that it wasn't me. <laughs> uh, and then, so just by coincidence and be because God looking down on me, wanted me to have the experience, uh, you look on Twitter uh, and I had, I sent Corey a text too, actually. And like, Oh, it's like a lot of people, uh, just by the sheer fact that I'm like literally emailing, which is common. I email all the time, but so I, I had a roller coaster of emotions. I was pumped that it was the world and not, and just not me. you. Yeah. Cause anytime you mess with those headers and specifically a rule based on headers and, um, uh, you can, you can hose stuff up and you, it's kind of one of those things you, okay, hit apply, mm -hmm. hold your breath. What did I, what did I just break? Uh, yeah, I, I like made it. Two a, hours later, it was back up. Yeah, it was what? Later in the evening? Early yeah. evening? Yeah. Um, yeah, are, Mark, are you doing any sort of header appending or rules based on headers? Yeah, I think we, I'm, I'm jealous that you guys have the ability to set different rules for students to say, you know, you cannot receive or, or email out of the, the domain where unfortunately we're because we're so large it, it just makes it very difficult for us to do something like mm -hmm. that um so uh we don't have anything like that but we do have a number of rules around we've got our block list we've got a you know a, a, a seer I'd, I'd say we probably have eight or nine thousand email addresses blocked through the header um, but we try to be careful about creating too many rules that um, can put yourself in a situation where like three, four years down the road, you're wondering like, why isn't this email going through? Oh, right. I remember when we created that rule years ago. Yep. Um, and so it, it's funny, actually, in the in recent weeks, a few situations have come up where like our legal advisor has said, all right, we're, you know, we're doing a no trespass order on this particular person and we're doing a no, a, a digital no trespass. So can you block this email address? And I'm always cautious of, 
okay, so this might be a parent and they've got multiple children in the district. They're having an issue in one school. Uh, right. I block this email address. It's a rule that's going to be buried in a giant list of rules. And if the other child's teacher can't get a hold of mom and dad because of this one rule or five, six years down the road, we're trying to figure out why this email is not going through. That's where I get nervous about all those sure. other rules. So I try to, you know, typically look at when we're going to add a, an email to a block list, it's, it should be a permanent thing. We should try to avoid kind of temporary email rules to get around other ways. So, yeah. So, okay. So let's step through. You said something that kind of piqued my interest. Chris, email kids and email. At what point are your students allowed to email, send and receive email outside of your domain? Yeah, so right now I'd say one, two, we're kind of like a, I think it's a three or four kind of phase thing. So our lowest elementaries can't meet, can't email each other. They can only email their teachers. Right. Uh, as you get older, your next elementary, you can email each other at that building and your teachers. And you can also email, you know, that's it. Just the teachers in that building and the students in that building. You get to the middle school level, you can then email uh, within the district. Anybody. So you, can't, you can't email those lower elementaries because that's denied, but you can email, you could email high school, uh, you could email a high school uh, teacher, you could email the superintendent if you wanted to. Yeah. And then we get to the high school and then it's open uh, to the outside world. Interesting. That sounds like a lot of work to maintain. Are you, are you? No, it's really just for, for OUs. Okay. Yeah. So he, you're basing it on, an, on the OU membership, right? So okay. your parent okay. container, your parent yeah, container so has the rule. Basically four OUs with what I just described underneath that are all the grad years. Yeah. So as those, as those things pump up between those, they get more privileges. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we don't allow we're nowhere near as as restrictive as Chris is internally. Like any student can email pretty much anybody. Um, we've had a few issues where I've had to go go in and make a deny for a particular student to email another particular student. Um, but so far, everything is kind of open internally. You can kids can email whoever, parents, other students, whatever. <clears throat> um, but we, what you just said a kid emailing a kid, do you do that under their actual account or do you do that at a admin console level? Admin console level, a header. Okay. We, I make a header rule. Okay. Um, and then they, no students are allowed to send or receive outside of our domain. So there's a hard rule, even at the high school level, there's a hard rule. You're not, no one's, you're not communicating with the outside world. Um, and that's been it, it, it's been kind of a discussion point a couple different times because the every once in a while it, it's about every other year the discussion comes up about well or the thought of students high school students reaching out to college uh, yep. recruiters through their school email which I totally understand is a legitimate use uh, for external resource but what we've kind of settled on or what we have settled on is that realistically that student if they're in high school they're they're over the age of 13 they can register for their own personal gmail account whatever yahoo account realistically that communication probably should be happening on a personal email account rather than a school email account because once they graduate that email account's gone anyway 
Um, so that's that's kind of where we've settled. If a kid wants to communicate with the outside world, you that needs to be on a personal account level thing. Um, and so far, that's that's where we've stayed. Mark, what are you guys doing? How do you? I I think it, I I always struggle with at what point are you so restrictive that you're pushing kids out of the domain? And then this goes for email, it goes for filtering, it goes for a lot of things, right? When So when you put too many rules in place and you make it too, super restrictive to use your, your school account, your school device, the school Wi-Fi, uh, and then you start to see these shadow accounts created and, and kids using hotspots, like, are you doing more damage? Uh, and so I think that's a that's a, a really really difficult one. I mean, we're definitely the more liberal of of the three of us, right? So we we don't put restrictions over what you who you can or cannot email huh. uh, within the domain or outside the domain. Of course, we we have a massive block list of of dangerous hmm. email accounts and things like that. And um, but you know, I would I would be afraid of just what you said, pushing a student to go and start communicating with a personal email account. Um, and we do have, you know, on our Chromebooks, personal email accounts are blocked. So you right. cannot you cannot log in with a personal account or cannot even even once you're logged in, you can't then access a personal yeah. Gmail account. Um, but I would I would be afraid of of students then going out and, and doing something on their own. And then we lose visibility. We lose we actually lose control. So it's interesting. We take a little more of a I guess you could say a liberal approach to email and blocking so that uh, we have a little you bit had, more control yeah. and, 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 and visibility. So, okay. So the, I think the way the stance, the way that we look at it has been, we're going to control our device. And, and by our device, I mean the device that the district has per- purchased. If a kid wants to use their personal cell phone or another device to do stuff, that's, that's outside of our purview. That's not re- really mm-hmm. our responsibility to, monitor or watch that and it i mean you could argue both ways of that but um as far as the stance that the district has taken is if it's our device we are going to really control what happens with that device and Mm -hmm. i i totally understand i i see your viewpoint on that because like you said the shadow accounts that does kind of push them to that that other service you know they're going to find another way that's how you know, kids, shoot, we found, we found last week, I didn't even bring this up last week, we found out last week that a kid could go to Remind 101, the website, total valid website, you know, used for coach communications or one-way communications, get your dog under control, Chris, um, valid communications uh, with, like, parent to teachers or coach to students or athletes, uh, one-way communication uh, to a group. A student can go to Remind 101. Students, if you're listening, don't do this. A student can go to Remind 101, create an account with any email address, their school email address, personal email address, whatever, and the first time they log in, it says, who are you? Are you a parent? Are you a teacher? Are you a student? If they click, I'm a teacher, it allows them to create a teacher account, which then they can create a classroom, create a classroom code, and then send that code to their friends, and they can chat through that. So, Remind 101 was... That's a lo- sweet. Yeah. 
Remind 101 is allowed. It's an allowed website in our district. And we, we had a problem where we found out there were kids chatting inappropriately through Remind 101. I'm like, well, what, what the heck? How is this going on? So we did a little bit of research, and it's like, well, shoot. There's no there absolutely there's absolutely no vetting in that process. So yeah, Mark, it, it's gonna push kids to that other that other way of communication. I get it. Well, I, 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 no, to go back to the Reddit, uh, the subreddit K12 Sysadmin, I think there was another post about, you know, students opening up a Google Doc and oh, creating yeah. a chat room within a Google Doc. I and mean, that's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, so. That's that's where we, so we, we, at our elementaries, in particular, our lowest, we did not used to have Gmail turned on. Uh, and we experimented in that middle elementary to not have Gmail turned on. But kids naturally, instinctively want to communicate yep. on mm-hmm. a device. Uh, so without knowing that they were doing wrong, they were making it because we were teaching them how to collaborate. So they would make a Google Doc and they would talk in it because yeah. that's that's what we're <laughs> that's what a Chromebook does. That's what a Google account does. Right. So the, the the lesser of the evil or whatever is give them Gmail. At least then we can properly document it and we can see it a little easier than a Google doc that they're manipulating that you're looking at revision history and the whole bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because that could becomes a nightmare. Yeah. One of the things we've, we've really struggled with this year. uh, It it really picked up in the fall uh, and the winter uh, kind of has died down now, but it's students creating troublesome Instagram accounts uh, where, and and it it was a trend within our district where it was, uh, name of the school and then confessions oh and the, and uh and then they would go in and they would create an instagram account with like you know let's say abbott elementary confessions was the name of the account and in the profile of the instagram account was a google form and you would click on that google form and you would give a confession like oh i like josh better than chris right and well, then, I, mean, I mean come on Right. And then and then the person who owned that Instagram account would then post screenshots of that. Oh my gosh. This is a great idea for our Twitter account. And so like every high school had this like school name confessions. Oh my gosh. And it got to the point where some somebody was putting in a threat, like I'm gonna shoot up the school. Oh my gosh. And and it was like it was a double whammy because First off, you got to figure out who owns the Instagram account. But then, because they did an anonymous Google form, even they don't know who submitted right. that threat. Right. So it was. It's been really ugly. And the problem is because we block Instagram, we don't allow students to have Instagram accounts with their with their domain account or their their district account. So we were blind, right? And so that was kind of the catch 22. If a student had created that Instagram account with their district email account, we would have been able to figure out who it was. Sure. And we would Are be able promoting, to promoting. You want kids to have Instagram accounts, Mark? Is that what I, you're saying? I right don't, now? but this is, it's the, it's that, <laughs> that catch. 22 no, I get it. Of like, we really, we don't allow them to use their district accounts for Instagram. We have it all blocked, but that forced them to go out on their own. Yep. And then this huge problem happened, and we were blind. Yeah, uh, and it was ugly. And 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 I, I could talk all day about how like Instagram would do absolutely nothing. Well, like, sure. Yeah. For this, so yeah. But yeah, with with what we're talking about, it's kind of 
I always feel like I'm a little liberal in my content filtering or what I let the kids do on a Chromebook because it's that idea. I want them, if they're going to be on a device and I, I, I have children, so I'm going you to do? create. Yes. Oh. So I'm going to, of course, create an environment that I would want my kids to be in on their Chromebook. But the, the idea that I would rather a kid get to some whatever game mm-hmm. and have a little bit of freedom on their Chromebook, if that means that they're sticking to their Chromebook and they're they're spending time on a safe environment yeah. as, as opposed to being on their phone and chasing whatever rabbits they are on their phone. At least if there's a couple games or a couple of things going on that, yeah, maybe it's not full educational value a thousand percent, but they hung out like we kept them safe. We yeah. gave them a good place yeah. or even to your point of the email, at least now we tracked everything bad that happened so that we yeah. can help right. it. And from a from a self harm standpoint, you know, if if a kid use the Instagram example, you know, if a kid has a fake Instagram account and they're using their school device to do it, and they type in, you know, a suicidal comment or a threat, mm-hmm. a self harm monitor or a a violence monitor would pick that up because they're using their school account as a yeah. and it's a plug in in that utility. Whereas if they're not. It, you're completely blind to that. It, and there is a whole discussion along, you know, how how much monitoring is too much monitoring? At what point is there, it, does it step over the bounds of privacy? From a, a screen monitoring tool like GoGuardian or Hapara or ClassWise, you know, whatever, how much is too much? You know, how much of that visibility is too much visibility? Um, yeah. I think we kind of operate under the assumption that there is no assumed privacy because sure. it is a district device. Um, and, and we even have that splash or we have that language on our, when you log into a, a windows device before you can log in, you, you know, you hit okay to the message that no one reads, but it says there's no assumed privacy. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's definitely, and I think a lot of that is pushed by, local policy or local and i'll just say it local politics Mm -hmm. um you know if if the community you're in is a rather conservative community i think you're going to see that restriction be a little bit tighter and a little bit more thumb on the user whereas i think if your community is a little bit more open to things a little bit more liberal um you're you're likely to be a little bit more open with those things um is is that a fair statement, Mark? In Boston, I don't I don't know the local politics up there as far as being that mentality. Is it more of a conservative mentality or is it more of a liberal mentality being in the city? Uh, you know what's fascinating is I, um, I, I one of my colleagues I really enjoy talking to is the the neighboring school district. Uh, it's right across the river, and you know the, there's a river that separates us, but our politics and and our the way that we conduct our business is completely different right and so it is fascinating that you know yes i'm sure that new england and missouri are very very different in their in their community politics but even within new england two towns that are right next door to each other have very very different approaches and uh you know he's more of the the uh the allow list and we're more of a of a deny list Hmm. in, in 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 our policies so it it it's interesting that that is, I would say that the filter is probably the most controversial thing that oh, yeah. you could have 
yet it is completely wide open. It is completely up to each local district to figure out what's the filtering policies that work best for you. And and realistically, our job is to flip the switch, right? It, it's 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 more of the district leadership, the central office leaders, to make that decision as far as what's what's cool, what's not cool. How mm-hmm. far do we go down that rabbit hole? If if you're going to do a, a an allow list. Okay, how how wide open is that allow list? That's yeah. that's I mean, we can have input, but we shouldn't be driving that policy. We we flip the switch, we have input. It's more of a discussion. We shouldn't be making that decision on our own. Yeah. Um yeah. I wonder how this is handled in other countries. <laughs> like Australia. Like Australia. Yeah. Or or Singapore. Or Singapore. Or, per- or perhaps Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you went a country let, I love. Let's let's take a break from the real uh, <laughs> heavy content. Why don't you talk about PDS and uh, ClearPass or Provision Data Solutions? Provision Data Data Provision Data Solutions, a proud sponsor of the K Twelve Tech Talk podcast. I was just talking to listener Pate today. He is starting on his ClearPass implementation using Provision Provision Data Solutions. Uh, to get going. So we discussed all the great possibilities of ClearPass, the Swiss Army knife that it is. Um, my school, ClearPass helped us move to one SSID, uh, broke down what that splash page can look like, uh, how Chrome, Chromebook enrollment changes with ClearPass. Uh, I think he's going to go with two SSIDs, that kind of thing. But Jeff at Provision Data Solutions is the guy uh, that knows ClearPass super well. So you can reach out to Provision Data Solutions for all of your E-rate needs in particular. They are great with HPE Aruba products such as ClearPass. Yeah, pretty very, very powerful tool from Aruba. Um, so down this path of how far is too far, MFA, yeah, this, is, this has been a subject we've talked about several times uh, two-factor authentication on email. That's what we're doing in our elevated accounts on, on Active Directory. So there was a discussion uh, that came up this week, a, a, a book of guidelines that came out from an insurance company, not going to say who. And one of the line items in there talked about multi-factor authentication. And, the, and this the little backstory here is, is the insurance company is saying how unattractive it is to offer cybersecurity insurance now because there are so many breaches and it has gotten so expensive that they're going to have to start making rather dramatic changes in what they require from schools to be covered by an insurance policy. And one of the topics of discussion was multi-factor authentication and what they would require multi-factor on or for. And, you know, it's a typical thing, remote access, VPN access, um, elevated account, elevated privileged accounts need to have it. But there was a line, there was a statement in there, and I'm going to gauge you guys' opinion here. Anytime a non-privileged user did any of the following actions, and there were three actions, and I can only remember two, one of them was changed account information, like name, which our users really don't have the ability to do that, the other one that really drew some ire from folks I know was any time they changed their password. So a non-privileged account hits Control-Alt-Delete on their computer, change password, changes their password, 
this guideline said that they expected to be prompted for MFA code. What is you guys' thoughts on that? The, that includes students? Well, that was unclear. It just said non-privileged accounts. Um, I would say hard no on students. No way. So it's interesting to say that we have a, a, a friend of mine is in a, another large district uh, that I won't say the name of. Uh, you can humble brag. It's okay, Mark. No, 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 no. Because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to cause. Oh, you don't want to out that person. Okay. Um, Mark's from a large school district. Yeah, Mark's New got England. friends and Mark's got friends in big places. New England, big river. Got I was, it. I was speaking to my friends in <laughs> Australia. Uh, no, he, uh, his insurance company is requiring them to put two factor on student accounts. Ooh. And, I was like, why in the world? So that was when you said the the non-privileged accounts. That was my first thought is, oh, yeah, good Lord. Um, I, I, I think it's tough because I feel like there are so many more important things that you should be tackling right before that. Right. So the ability for somebody to move laterally within your organization, the ability for somebody to take a non privileged account and make it into a privileged account. Um, I feel like there are more important things to tackle than to get, uh, make sure that a, uh, a, a student or uh, maybe a bus driver's account has two-factor authentication. So I'm not saying that that's not an important step, but I do feel like when we talk, when we hear insurance companies requiring more and more things, I feel like there are more pressing issues uh, that we should be working on before we start throwing two-factor authentication out to you know students and bus drivers for the scenarios that you just described yeah i agree that's a cost versus gain like yeah. what right what, what did you like it's interesting that it made the initial we gotta we gotta come down harder so one of our bullet points is this yeah, yeah. Like that's really yeah. that's phase one <laughs> right. right yeah yeah so me me being me i i figured out who who developed the guidelines and this was a presentation at a conference and I figured out who gave the presentation from the insurance company and I found his email address and I sent him an email and said, Hey, I'd like to have a discussion with you on, on this MFA non-standard account. I'd like some clarification of what you really mean here. Are you saying, you know, when any user changes their password, are you wanting a prompt or are you saying anytime a non-standard user's account is changed by a privileged account. It should be MFA. So I, there mm. was some confusion there. It was written vaguely. Um, but anyway, long story short, the gentleman ended up calling me back. We had a really good conversation. Um, he did confirm that it was any time a non-standard user changed their password on their own, they expected an MFA. And, and Chris, I think the point that I made to him or I tried to get across to him was there's one, yes, you, you got to weigh the burden versus what you're gaining and this is a huge burden it was it was a big enough burden for us to force two-factor on mail let alone a password change on on every account mm -hmm. then the other thing is i said i couldn't do this right now because we have on-prem ad i would have to move to a solution like azure where we could create an MFA rule that said anytime a password is changed that they would get prompted i said so immediately you're requiring these small school districts that may not have a Microsoft agreement to go out and purchase another product to do this service. So 
schools strapped for money, you're you're going to require them to go out and do something like this. So it was a really good conversation. He, I, I feel like he listened to what I was saying and that he said they were going to kind of redo some of the guidelines um, and see where that took them. So yeah, I was I was really shocked to uh, to read that. I'm glad that you put him in his place. No, it wasn't a putting him in place kind of conversation. Not not at all. It, it was a very good. It was a very good conversation. Um, yeah, I was I was happy. Yeah, I, he didn't have to call me back. Shoot, he didn't even have to email. He didn't, right. He, you know, and he and he called me, and we had a really good conversation. So I, I was very happy about that. Um, I'm glad you did it. Yeah. We we were heard. Yeah. Um, Here's my crazy story of okay. the week. We'll wrap it up. And with I this think, one. I think I can just say, I think I can. I'm just going to tell the story. So we have Spectrum, ISP, and we have AT and T does their phone stuff. Okay. So we've been moving to a AT and T IP Flex stuff. So we're on PRI. We're moving the SIP stuff. Blah blah blah. blah. That's been going on for a little bit of time. Uh, there was some discrepancy with details on when they were going to show up because they had to run some stuff into our high school that's been going on, whatever. Uh, other note, Spectrum, uh, we're upgrading our uh, internet pipe, uh, going to be in July. Uh, that's happening. It's been in the works. Engineers were reaching out that we we're going to go ahead and get bumped up now. And again, that was a weird deal because I got to wait till July one to do that. I don't know why they're wanting to do it now. So two separate things going on, not related at all, uh, happening in my life last few weeks at work, whatever. And it's just kind of been this ongoing thing. You get an email, you reply to the email, all that kind of stuff. Well, this week, uh, it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. I guess that was yesterday or day before. Uh, we are expecting AT&T to show up. Um, I'm not in the building. Uh, I get a voicemail. I was in a meeting. I get a voicemail. It's AT&T. They're about to arrive on site around two o'clock or whatever. Sweet. That's right on time. Uh, Mike, my network administrator, he's at the high school. They're reaching out to Mike. Sweet. Taken care of. No big deal. This is what that SIP stuff I'm talking about. I text Mike. Mike's response to it. Cool. We're square. I pull up to the high school um, and there's a charter spectrum truck in the parking lot. Oh, that's weird. Uh, so I park, I walk in and I'm like, Hey, who's here? And Mike's like AT&T. And I was like, okay. I was like, maybe chartered, maybe spectrum. They just parked. I, I don't know. That's weird. So where they were sitting there and then Mike's looking at me puzzled. He's like, maybe I should go. He's like, I gave the AT&T guy like the AT&T stuff. Like there was a battery backup and, and we were, they had sent us some equipment. And we, we left the guy in this room. He's doing his stuff. And he, Mike's like, I, yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure it was AT&T guy. <laughs> but like, you know, you start to feel weird. There was a, there's a Spectrum van parked outside. So Mike's like, I'm going to go talk to him again. And then as he's doing that, I get a call and it's the office. And like, yeah, Spectrum's here. <laughs> I've never had like, and I was like, Spectrum's and they're like, yeah, they said they're going to upgrade like they're here to upgrade our internet connection in the middle of the day. It's 2 p.m. So not middle of the day, but still. Right. Yeah. So I'm trying to dig through my email really quick. Well, so there was this long email thread. Like I said, they were, were supposed to be upgraded in July. These engineers kept talking about us being upgraded now. Well, we were pursuing, I'm talking to my account rep 
Well, somehow in that, no one told those guys to chill. So they were still coming on site to do our internet stuff and at 2 p.m., like, whatever. Wow. So I go up to talk. So, like, the charter guy, the Spectrum guy, he has a puzzled look on his face as soon as he sees me because he noticed the AT&T truck as well. And it's super weird to have both these guys, like, in your building. <laughs> were they, like, were, never were they ready life. for a, a turf war? Like, yeah, they were, I, like they're going to fight. Yeah. So, so I was like, hey, I don't know. I was like, what were you going to, I was like, what, why do you think you're here? <laughs> As, and I, I, I said that. So then he's like, oh, we're going to upgrade your internet. And I was like, so it's like, it's, I was like, so it's 2 PM and we are absolutely in session right now. So like that, I don't know, like we can't. Yeah. And he's like, I didn't think so. Uh, so he left. Uh, we realized AT&T is AT&T that all checked out, but just a weird day. And then all boiled down like, to bad communication uh the which is what it is and they you know you get emails and you're, you're clicking through emails but we made it but have you guys ever had multitasking two major companies show up at the same time uh, the same building it was like a no, who's on first kind of thing we we've had we've had the, the the various companies show up or or arrive at a school completely unannounced and then yes. we get a call from the school like oh the you know internet company i'm not gonna say the name of it is here and i'm like well we don't have anything planned get them out of your building now like i don't know who that is you know i'm always more concerned about like is this a phony contractor you know posing as somebody to get in but no we we had we had that with this project too the guys that were doing the trench work and stuff for some fiber they needed to tap into the building i mean it wasn't scheduled you know they were just chugging down the road yeah well they They were ready, so they showed up. And I was like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Anyways, funny story, maybe. Australia. I don't know how you feel about that story. I'm yeah, sorry. We we'd like uh we'd like our Australian listeners to to let us know what they thought of Chris's uh Australian. I probably misread it and it's Austria and it's <laughs> oh my Yeah. <laughs> well, that was that be a uh, little googling right now. That would be Telstra. Uh, oh right, internet company. Oh, okay. and, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh shoot, we haven't talked about Classlink. We haven't, but not because we haven't thought about them. No, it's no. We've been deep in conversation. Uh, Classlink, a proud sponsor of the K twelve Tech Talk podcast. Uh, they do all kinds of things. Check out Classlink.com. Uh, they have different ways to sign into their product. So they have like the QR code. Uh, they call it the quick card. Uh, so you got kids, you can give them the quick card. That's how they get going with that. They can do facial recognition stuff. Oh, cool. We could we could dig into that a little bit, How what feelings we have on that. I wonder if that's, I bet they say it's really accurate. I'd like to dig into that. Uh, so a kid doesn't even have to show the QR code. He can just show his face. Or they do the thing, maybe for your uh, high school kids, uh, Josh, this would be up your alley since you don't let kids use their Chromebooks for anything, really. You block everything, but to use their cell phone uh, and they can click and they can do the remote login to Classlink by approving it on their phone. Oh, that's cool. Yep. So check out Classlink. If you talk to anyone at Classlink, uh, mention the K12 Tech Talk podcast uh, because they're our friends and we're their friends and we are all friends with Australia. Yes. And if you're from Australia and you want to go to a really cool conference in the USA, in Missouri, in the middle of Missouri, in the middle of the summer, 
where the story or the Netflix series Ozark winter. is winter. based. Winter. It's winter. winter in Australia. Oh yeah, so it would be it uh, would be Australia's winter, but our summer. Um, and our toilets flush the other way, so that'd be cool to see if you're from Australia. Um, come to Midwest Tech Talk in July, like at the Ozarks, where the famed Netflix series. Ooh, the new the final episodes of Ozark come out tomorrow. By the way, um, it, we are having our conference at Lake of the Ozarks. You Chris, think Ozark is, is uh, on Swank streaming? I doubt it. I don't think that'd be approved for school viewing. Uh, so, any other any other burning topics to talk about tonight, gentlemen? We need to let Mark go. Is it winter in Boston too? Uh, you're, no, you're We're dressed just... like it's ten degrees. I'm I'm cold. It is it is especially cold in in Boston today. Uh, but no, no. It's we are an hour in the future, so I'll let you know uh, what it's going to be like in an hour. Okay, can you let me know the Powerball ticket winning numbers too? Is that how that works? I think that's how that works. Shh. All right. Well, thanks for listening tonight, everyone. Uh, share us with your friends. Share it with share us with your professional organizations uh, and your Australian relatives because they might like the show too. Uh, thanks for listening. Find us on Twitter, K Twelve Tech Talk Pod on Twitter. Tweet us. Let us know what you think. And thanks for listening. Have a good night. Hey, we're on LinkedIn, too. Oh, yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah, sorry. Super professional on there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening. That was episode 70.